The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. Uh, me, Adam McGee. So we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, join me on uh, a quick story time rant. That is not the right word. Um, John Shambi is yelling in my ears now um, because of the bit that always happens when we do these podcasts, which is for some reason the volume is not working accurately. I turn it down. I mute it. Doesn't matter. Still yells at me. Anyway, I have uh, chosen optimism a few times in my history as a sports fan. Uh, first one was uh, World Series with the, or no, excuse me, the Super Bowl. Carolina Panthers, Denver Broncos, Cam Newton for the Panthers. I was like, you know what? It's going to be fine. I'm ignoring the all-world defense the Broncos have. Peyton Manning's neck is made out of chewing gum and loose wires. They're going to do this. Ignore the all-world defense. I did that with Diamondbacks this week. I said, it doesn't matter that they got top-end power. Corbin Carroll, Christian Walker, Cattell Marte. I'm not worried about it. The Brewers aren't going to let me down. They're, they're the, the division champs. They got this. You know what, Adam? They let me down. 
Corbin Burns let me down. The Milwaukee Brewers let us all down. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I've been better. I've been here. Uh, you know, brutal playoff loss, and you've got a podcast before you have not. So I am curious to see how this unfolds over the remainder of this episode. Yeah. Uh, I regret my pick. Do I regret my pick? No, because you know you gotta you gotta have some sort of hope. But at the same time, I don't think my pick really matched up with a lot of the things I said and a lot of the things I felt about this matchup. And honestly, some of the players on this team, regardless of who the Brewers were playing um, in a playoff setting, I don't think we can overstate just how crushing the Woody news was and when it came and the difference it made to everything. It certainly gives no excuse to the other Brewers who go out to play, but something that certainly could have changed the series, but ultimately your team who gets yourself to this spot more times than not. And your team who just does not get past this spot. And you've got guys here who are good enough to go out and perform at a level, honestly, just the level that they would on average over the course of a regular season. And they didn't do that. We'll get into it. We'll talk through all of this. I mean, Six three five two. I don't know. I I think this is a real kind of defining moment in terms of what the Brewers' identity is. There's obvious elements to that, such as well, we'll see how Craig Council's future plays out over the next while. Uh, you and I have felt good about that. I gotta say, even if he was feeling good about staying, another another wild card loss, and in this fashion. Oh, that's tough. That's tough. I'd certainly want to have some real conversations with the ownership and with the front office before committing to staying longer after going through this again. Do you have something? There's every yeah, there's everything um to talk about with this because this is this was a series that, that was everything everywhere all at once. I'm gonna say it like that. Because it had the brewers top notch pitching letting you down in a one game scenario it had the offense doing what we asked it to do all offseason which was string hits together build innings but have absolutely zero pop we (laughs) we overcorrected in another direction not by design just because of roster building failures uh signed brian anderson that uh fizzled out Roddy Telez was not the same guy as last year. Jesse Winker was not what we hoped it to be. So, we, you know, last year we were asking, don't be so Homer reliant. And now it's this year. It's like we can't hit a Homer out of out of a we can't Homer our way out of a paper bag. Corbin Burns need to step up in a big moment. Doesn't Devin Williams need to keep the team in a close game, like in a situation where, OK, maybe we can string some runs together to tie a game in a ninth inning or hit a walk off. Uh, whatever it may be. Now, I'm not blaming Devin. That's a one-off situation. But also, it's just like the Diamondbacks guys stepped up when they needed to, and the Brewers didn't. A, that's playoff baseball. B, that's, well, this is going to happen when you're, you you don't hit homers in the postseason, and your guys aren't stepping up in the moment, and the guys on the other side of the field are. Like, cream rises to the top, and in this series, the Diamondbacks, 
Toppin hitters did and the Brewers didn't, and Toppin pitchers to a degree. You didn't punish the Diamondbacks when they were struggling early in either game, and that left your margin very, very fine. And that all that brings luck into play. Line drive right at a guy. Timing play. Evan Longoria looking like he's playing in 2012 and not 2023. Like this series is indicative of like what this roster can be because of the limitations on it, but it's also indicative of like you invite that and you invite just the random nature and the cruel nature of what playoff baseball is in 2023, especially in the wild card series where, you know, if you're not like, like we said, bites at the apple, if you're not the Braves or the Dodgers or the Astros and you are going to be in this three game series every year, like this shit is going to happen. And that's frustrating. Not, not just to the Brewers either. I mean, you look at the Rays who just got absolutely (laughs) torn apart. Like, and it's same deal. Like if you can't find too many franchises who, philosophically have this kind of similar ideas or that you can see real clear true lines and commonalities with what the brewers have been trying to do for quite some time the rays are certainly that it's so far and again there are mitigating factors for them but like it's much like it is with woody here and (laughs) these things happen you can't just be like oh you know there's a big injury and that i don't think what i'm going to say is popular but i do i honestly feel quite strongly about this um, I don't blame the offense any more than we blame the offense from series to series. And what I mean by that is I really think the top end guys, the guys who we would have said they need to deliver something, play pretty well. Like Yelly got on base a lot. Willie Adonis was really, really good. There was there was a lot there where you're like, these are the kind of things that need to happen. Now, where the Brewers are let down is by the back half of their lineup, which is a problem going in. But what we knew all season and what hadn't quite worked, so they had to try and address it with the trades at the deadline. But the idea, really what this roster was constructed for was, and we've seen it lots, we've seen it work out lots the regular season, we can win a one nothing game, a 2 nothing game, 2-1 game. That's what this team is cut out for. And I, I think when Corbin Burns, who never gets run support, has a 3 nothing lead through two innings. You give Freddie Peralta two runs in the first in game two, and as as far true as uh, as the end of the fourth, you've still got a, a 2 nothing lead. Like, the offense came out and gave the lead, which, like, ideologically, what has the Brewers been built to do in recent years? They've been built to win with their pitching, and it's been like, you just give us a lead and we've got the guys to close it out. And that proved further and further from the truth in this series. Now, that's not to say for all of the hits that the Brewers got, um, nine hits to six in game two, 12 hits to nine in game one, out hitting the Diamondbacks on both occasions. Of course, you should get more runs from that. Of course, you know, bad luck can factor into that. It's it's something that I hate talking about when you've got a playoff exit, but this is the nature of baseball and how short this thing is after 162 games. But the reality is, I think what the team is built for is that, like, that's why you have a Corbin Burns. It's you're going to do what we need you to do, not that you're going to absolutely shit the bed. And I mean, in a way where he just he shrinks, he shrinks under pressure. 
he's done it when he sees any sign of adversity this season. Um, like we're going to talk a whole lot more about Corbin in this episode, but also in the weeks ahead until things get resolved with his future. But I mean, if we want to chart from a year ago, not even a year ago from his arbitration hearing to now, it's from 20 from 2021's playoff game from now because he was good in that game against the team that would win the World Series. And then in this game, he goes four innings and like, like you said, stake to a three nothing lead. The first inning against Fott was bad because you get that first run and then you go strike out, strike out, strike out to end the inning. But then you bounce back in the third um, or in the second. Sorry, they it, on a Tyron Taylor homer, you, you stake Corbin to a three nothing lead. You need to score more than three runs in a playoff game. But if you go up three nothing with your ace on the mound, a guy who got to win, whined about $740,000 and we whined about it on his behalf. Uh, I we're pro players podcast, but it's right there in front of your face, and it's very frustrating when, um, he just doesn't go out and do it. When I mean, he after yesterday's game, he acknowledged that as well. It's like, yeah, I failed. You did, but that's the last moment we're gonna see wearing a Brewers jersey, and that doesn't make any of us feel any better. But anyway, I, I don't. It, sorry. That's your Cut, that's your you. legacy. No, but that's his legacy. You, we're talking about a guy who pitched incredibly with the Brewers for the majority of his time there, Cy Young winner, and what has he given in terms of real moments that will live on that Brewers fans will remember? He's a guy who doesn't deliver in the playoffs. That's it. Like that's it's it's as simple as that. His season has been bad, bad all round. Like by his standards, if he was the second to third pitcher in a rotation of a team hoping to make the wild card, you go, yeah, okay, it's pretty solid. It's like it's it's one of those things where like we get to game one and they're talking about Corbin Burns on a national broadcast and they're like, oh, Corbin Burns, and they look at the numbers and they still find a way to be like, yeah, he's been pretty good this year. So like, yeah, he's been pretty good, but he's Corbin Burns. And he should be a lot better. And that's the standard you have to hold him to. He has to hold himself to and seems to. But he's just not delivered all season after that. Now, those two things may be completely related in that he just didn't come into the season in the right headspace, has never got back there because of what happened in the offseason. But that in its own right is kind of revealing and indicative of something with the kind of mentality that then it's go time it's the playoffs you know forget all of that you're the ace you're starting game one go get it go put your team in a place to succeed and even more so when they have put you in a place to succeed like you've got to score more runs than three in game one and two in game two but i also think this is a team that they don't necessarily have the excuses to me this comes down to the pitching because you are built and you are supposed to be able to manage a game from that point. And also it's one of those things we all know, like it's, you can't just kind of look at the total runs team A has the total runs team B has after the fact and just pretend that both of those things exist in a vacuum. Momentum swings in games. It's like when the offense comes out and they, they give you a tree, nothing lead. And then you give tree back and deterred off back-to-back homers. That has an effect on everyone else. That has an effect on everyone else. Like, it's it's not just that he was not at his best. It was he was not at his best in a way that was totally demoralizing. And I know I felt it as someone who just was not feeling good about Corbin coming into the playoffs for quite some time. That it's just like, 
Jesus Christ. I mean, the Corbin Carroll homer was one thing, but then straight away following up with another, that's tough for everyone to not have your shoulders slump a little bit, to not take something out of it. Again, it's the playoffs. You've got to get past that. This is what you've worked all season for. But I just, it like, it starts and ends with the pitching. And for me, that's Corbin Burns. Like, Well, it's because I think it's highlighted. Obviously, we talk about luck in the playoffs in a small sample. That came down to the offense because we're going to talk about all the moments in this game that could have turned because of a ball not bouncing their way. But Corbin goes four innings. Blows the three nothing lead that they've been staked to, and then until the very end of the game, the bullpen goes out and keeps them in a game, like right there. So like we're having conversations about being stressed out an entire game, and yet the bullpen is delivering and keeping them in it. And so I think that's where the frustration lies because, and we'll do a modified version of what I do every episode, but like the the Brewers score in the first on um on the uh, Carlos Santana single scores Yelich and the game's really cooking at that point. I mean, we go first three batters on base. They go strike out, strike out, strike out in the first one big moment in the game and one moment that they'll live to regret. But in the second Tyrone Taylor homers with Josh Johnson on to make it three, nothing. Then in the third, as you mentioned, Corbin Carroll homers scores himself in Perdomo makes it three, two Brewers stake to a one run lead then. And then can tell Marte homers three, three in the fourth, uh, Gabriel Moreno homers make it 4-3. And after that fourth inning, Corbin's done. Uh, starts the fifth, I think. And then with uh, runners on base that Admiral Uribe has to get out of a jam, walks one, gets a strike, I guess that out of the inning. But you're down 4-3 after being up 3 nothing, And then that invites all of the chaos that comes later with the offense and Evan Longoria <laughs> making plays. And... You just need your number one starter to be a number one starter, and it didn't happen. And after us advocating for him all year, it he doesn't owe us anything, but it, it's just a kick in the gut. And uh, I don't know how much more we want to go on in this before we recap the rest of the next two games, but I don't know. that That's the part of the series that's going to stick with me because, like you said, 12 hits and three runs to a large degree is just like – uh, like what the fuck happened here and like that happens sometimes in this stupid sport but your ace not being your ace is an entirely different matter in my opinion we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and it's also the bullpen, as you said, were great after that up until Devin comes in. But even, look, it's its, it's, its own situation at that point. I just, the bullpen having to come in that early, that you're using all of your guys, like anyone that you're on the roster that you want to see high leverage innings i think with the exception of mcgill who ends up pitching in game two gets used in game one that is not ideal preparation that is not how you want abner uribe to come in who was phenomenal in game one in cleanup in a spot i would not have put him in with runners on base so here's some playoff action for you abner it's not the spot i'd put him in a regular season game but craig did that twice and then you know what game two it backfires would have been useful maybe if he was fresh. I don't know. You can't blame it on that, but the knock-on effect is is undeniable. And I think we talked a lot heading into the season two and really what the game one matchup would have been if not for the fact that Diamondbacks had to fight their way into the wild card and fell backwards too. It would have been Corbin Burns, Zach Gallen. And we talked a lot about like Zach Gallen and our fear of Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen did not have his best stuff at all. The Brewers really got to him early in game two and they got that pitch count working really really high really early where you're like god seems like good things are coming here zach allen finishes with two earned runs six innings pitched quality start just like and that's that's what you expect like that's what corbin burns has to do you gotta steady the ship and you gotta be i am this level of guy that i cannot be at my best I can really find myself in a deep hole where I'm giving up runs, I'm giving up hits. It looks like I'm maybe only going to have five innings worth in me in terms of my pitch count. I'm going to fight back through that. I'm going to get some quick innings, going to really lock down. I'm going to give the team six anyway. Like that to me is indicative. That's a difference between the two aces in this series. And I, I think that plays a major, major factor on the final outcome because even more so, the Diamondback starter went two and two thirds innings in game one. So they had to go even deeper into their bullpen. They really had to work, guys. What would have been disastrous for them would have been Zach Allen being out of there in four innings in game two. He gave them six. He gave them every opportunity to get over the line. So it, it's uh, it's not it's not everything, right? As you said, this is a case where pretty close to all that could go wrong for the yeah. Brewers... <laughs> From the moment, like, the Woody injury news came out, went wrong for the Brewers. But I do think if you're putting, like, what's number one on the list for me, it, it it's pitching, but I've got to put just Corbin Burns' name there. Because he's your tone setter. He's the guy you have to go out and show, this is who we are, this is how we're going to play. And finally, his offense gave him something to work with. And I think if he's even, like... 75% of what he know he can be like he probably delivers enough there and the Brewers may play out the rest of that game in a different way win game one and then the whole trajectory of this thing just turns on its head so like it gets away from them from the moment the tree nothing lead becomes a 4-3 deficit in two innings because 
the Diamondbacks, I think, to their credit too, once they got a scent of any blood in the water in this series, I don't think they looked back. And I don't think they were ever phased by anything. Like, you're playing on the road against a division winner who certainly didn't show themselves to be like a division winner. But once they got opportunity, they'd take it. And I think very much what we talked about going into it, one, Corbin Carroll is just ridiculous. He is really, really good. Um, and beyond that, Tal Marte had a really good series. Just in, in important moments, he delivered. Um, and that's that's kind of your difference. But again, Yelly had a good series. Willie Adamas had a good series. Um, Marcana had a bunch of hits yesterday. Carl Santana was on base plenty. Like, the Brewers almost got the equivalent, minus the power, which we circled kind of before the series started, out of their top-end guys. What the two teams didn't have equal, though, was the pitching. Uh, Mark Hanna was ultimately right. Um, <laughs> you need to yeah. slug, slug your way to wins in the playoffs, and the Brewers don't have the ability to do that. This game also, or this, yeah, the game one also... Uh, for me, really, it became evident this this was going to not go their way in the bottom of the fifth. So you get out of that jam. Adam Uribe comes in and, and does a great job to get you out of Corbin's mess. Freelich singles, Adamas singles, Donaldson singles, bases loaded, no outs. Back foot breaking ball, we thought hits Bryce Tarank's foot. Review it, not doesn't hit him. He strikes out on two fastballs. Uh down the middle that he swung through and then i can't remember what strike three was ryan thompson comes on ground ball specialist doesn't get the ground ball tyron taylor absolutely smokes a line drive to third base evan longoria snares the liner and then doubles off adamas at second you go from bases loaded no outs to scoring no runs and you're still down four three helps pagaro comes in and provides um two outs of relief then hobie milner comes on after evan longoria singles to right this man won't leave us alone. Evan Longoria, why are you doing this? You should be retired. Um, Hobie gets out of that inning. Ryan Thompson comes in and uh, Yelich walks. William Contreras hits a, a bouncer to third. It should be an infield single. Instead, Evan Longoria throws out Christian Yelich at second as he's taking too wide of a turn around the base. Um, he It looked like in real time, he got back in before the tag. A replay review again uh, is does not go in the Brewers' favor. Bad week for me in replay review, Adam. Um, Hobie Milner uh, still pitching, allows a, a Carroll single to, to left in the seventh, gets Cattell Marte to fly out. The old Piams comes on. Um, we get Corbin Carroll thrown out at second by Contreras and a strikeout of Tommy Pham to get out of the inning. And it's still 4-3 in the seventh after all of that. But the Brewers just can't get anything to go their way offensively. And the whole time you're you're thinking just, well, we were leading this game 3 nothing, and nothing's going to go our way. Devin Williams in the ninth gives up uh, a pair of runs. That makes it 6-3. Not a good outing for Devin through 31 pitches. Uh and uh, in the ninth, uh, they get Mark Hanna on base via hit-by-pitch, but aren't able to do anything beyond that. They lose 6-3. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, the Diamondbacks top end guys uh, did the job. The Brewers top end pitchers did not, and they couldn't get anything to break their way offensively. And like we, like you said, you know, a lot of that came down to they don't have the ability to get that big extra base hit when they need it. The Diamondbacks did. If you look at the overall um, home run numbers on the season, Brewers and Diamondbacks in your mind would be teams that both of them don't homer. Diamondbacks top guys do Homer Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte, and then Christian Walker, who had the big double off Devin Williams in the ninth inning to extend that lead to six three. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a question that was going to be asked of the Brewers in the offseason. Like like you said last year, we were like, all right, more balanced, more sustainable offense. Get guys on, get guys in, get guys over. But if you don't have that big bopper in the middle of the lineup. A lot of times you're just going to see those guys uh, throwing their helmet over the dugout at the end of the inning because they've been stranded. I think you're on mute. I am. I don't know. You get the balance between those two things uh, outside of the one obvious way you get the balance, which is you're probably going to have to pay. Like that's because you've, you've brought a whole bunch of better, not good enough. And like, Sal Freelick tailing off, I think, is a sneaky big story in this season. I know he had a couple of hits in game one, but you have better contact guys coming up, and hopefully that will continue. And some like Yelly's had a really good season and bounced back, and hopefully he can replicate this season next year and we don't go back into the previous Yelly cycle we were in. I You've got to, like... <laughs> You can only build your roster around fringes of like free agency in a certain way. And I think getting a perfect balance between those things is very unlikely. Um, Bryce Terang, it fell to in a couple of big spots and that really killed him. Just the order landing on Bryce Terang and that, you know, he ends up pinch hit for in both games, right? Yeah, he does. Um, but. <laughs> I don't know. It's just not really a great spot they found themselves in, to say the least. We probably, if we had got a pot earlier, we would have talked a bit more about the roster. Um, the roster is kind of the least of their problems, but I thought the roster they chose was a farce, honestly. Some of those decisions, just guys who have not been playing for the Brewers, who have not been getting ABs. Um, Jesse Winker is at the forefront of that because we ended up seeing Jesse Winker twice and people can talk until the cows come home Andrew about oh his plate discipline and the possibility of him getting a walk that was being talked about like that was a guarantee like his plate approach was you know oh well you're you're definitely getting something out of that where it's not the case because what he could do is he can hurt himself first no one took around. the bait on any of my jokes about uh, just like the uh, guaranteed Jesse Winker walk, and I've, I apparently, I've, you know, I come across as very sincere in everything I say, Adam. Um, don't think anyone's ever leveled that accusation at you. Uh, my <laughs> problem with Winker being on the roster is like, so council and in, in all of his talking about it is basically in a nice way being like, listen, all these guys suck. What do you want from me? <laughs> Who should be on this roster? And that's true, but also like Winker's body, I think it's just cooked. And he's, that's, he's that's what it looks like. They, they didn't play him. 
if he couldn't play for like four months in the regular season and you have him down in Nashville and he sucks, don't call him up and put him in spots where you're like, oh, he's going to give us something. Like game two, we'll get to it. What's he do? He weakly rolls one over to first and he gets booed, like loudly booed, which I don't feel like the kind of things that get discussed online are generally always representative of what happens in a stadium. And I think certainly with the Brewers, but every single person in that stadium is like, what is this guy here for? Like, I I don't have a problem with it if they long ago said this is our best option. But, you know, that means don't play Rowdy Telez the last month of the season. Play Jesse Winker. Like, get something going. Get him ready for this. I I find it insane. Owen Miller, likewise, who I don't believe we saw at all. Don't know why Owen Miller was on the roster. Really, just, I don't get it. Um, I would have taken another reliever and honestly might have been useful in some of those spots in game one. You might have made different decisions, but that is not, it's not even close to what decided this series, but I do think it was indicative of, well, one, the failings of the roster construction, but then two, just, I don't see the planning. I don't see the strategy in it. Why are you making that as your move when you haven't done the work to prepare Winker, to prepare your team for that moment it's like you can't just parachute in a guy who's an old broken bag of bones and he hasn't played in months and be like yeah if we need a we need a bat off the bench this is the guy it wasn't a surprise because we talked for i think two episodes of why is he still here why is he hanging around i said i had a feeling then the reporting came out or not even the reporting but all the beat reporters were essentially predicting that he'd be on the roster but you're just like if you're gonna put the guy on the roster might have helped to uh, have him see some major league pitching even once in like the last four months. So I mean, that's something that ultimately the Brewers didn't put themselves in a position for that to be important. Certainly would have helped if he did anything, anything, if he got one of those walks that, you know, we were supposed to expect. But that is a kind of a sneaky I think a sneaky look into ways where the Brewers didn't set themselves up to succeed here because you've got to have a better Winker plan. If Winker is your guy, you've got to have a better plan in recent times. Got to be doing more so that he's ready to not look like, you know, what he's been all season when the, when the moment arrives in the postseason. Sorry, that's probably taking us off topic, but I just... I don't get it. I mean, it's one thing picking players like could Garrett Mitchell have helped this team? I think Garrett Mitchell could have helped this team. I that understand was my... he's, he's back very recently. I get it. And there's concerns. He didn't look like he was just not up to it when we saw him to finish the regular season. And I'd be betting on that guy. I'd be betting on that guy over alternatives. And that's Two, they, they found themselves in this spot where it's kind of like, I think Miller makes it because if they want to take Winker, Winker seems to have been like their first choice. Do you think that's fair? Because in my head, how it works is they decide they want Winker. Then you don't want to have Winker and Rowdy on your bench because you've got no pinch running possibilities there. So Owen Miller gets the spot over Rowdy in spite of this being, you know, right-handed pitchers galore for a large chunk of this. And then it could still have been Mitchell over Weimer, but 
I don't know. Weimer is a guy who has hit really well against lefties and, and has that possibility. I saw, was it Jack Stern? I think I saw on Twitter who noted, like in game two, he would have pinch hit Sal when Sal had a big opportunity for Weimer because that is the spot. If Weimer's he, would have, your... he would have pinch hit Weimer when they had the lefty in with the uh, bases loaded. Sorry, today, yes. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because that is, if you're going to put him on the roster, that is the spot you brought him for. It's here's an opportunity, lefty on the mound. Sal isn't quite there. Like, surely that's it, and that wasn't it. I, I just think all of the kind of, I guess, the decision tree there, I, I don't really agree on any of it. And it sees Mitchell left off completely, but I, I think kind of there was too much of one decision trickling down and kind of begetting the next one, where not that the not that the solution was there, but I don't think they arrived at the best combination or the best process or anything remotely close to it because it it just felt very very patched together and kind of somewhat like an afterthought that's like yeah we do want jesse winker but we haven't used them or we do want old miller or joey weimer who we've talked about in the pod for quite a while who they sent down and we didn't get to see him with a bat in his hands which you know but most people say that's a good thing um but we saw that he seems to have changed his motion a little bit so maybe there was some work done there but you sent the guy down. He hasn't seen major league pitching in ages either. So those being the three guys you chose, just it's kind of that bothers me. That just on top of like all the stuff that's really relevant to the series, just in terms of how are you approaching like organizationally the challenge of winning a playoff series. And we are talking about a franchise that doesn't win playoff series. It's a really good regular season team. And then just like flops at the first available opportunity. I think something like that then becomes more worthy of scrutiny, even though it's not remotely close to the cause of the loss here. Yeah. Uh, I Like uh, I was saying earlier in the week, like I watched all those division, division winning Braves teams uh, that got to the playoffs and lost in the division series. And at a certain point, the unexplainable, or at least, like you can't come to one root cause because it's a different thing every year it just becomes annoying to a fan base. So I get why people would be frustrated. Like you can't draw a one-to-one answer as to why this keeps happening, but it keeps happening. Um, the only real roster thing that I was really annoyed by was Mitchell not being on the roster. Obviously we had a small sample of him, not even necessarily exceeding, uh, to, to go on at the end of the season, but I, I don't know. I just like kind of the, the upside of what he could have provided in that role. Uh, it was Winker versus Rowdy. It was Weimer versus Mitchell. And I think Owen Miller was in the room and they didn't realize he was in the room and they had written his name on a piece of paper and it got submitted. They were like, Oh shit, Owen Miller's still here. And he just got included on the roster. That's what I felt happened with that. Um, but the, yeah, Rowdy versus Winker. Craig basically in his comments was like, again, just like, yeah, we have to put someone on the roster. So here it is. And it was Winker. And then the first at bat was just the funniest possible, objectively funny. Uh, if uh, you're into like dark humor, but he strikes out on three pitches and you thought he heard his oblique. So that was uh, just like exactly what you would have expected at that moment. Like chef's kiss can't, can't say anything other, other about it. Hope you're healthy. You're never gonna play at a Brewers uniform again. It's fine. Uh, you talk. We talked about roster building. There's no 
power to pay for on the market other than like Cody Bellinger. So you're going to have to make a trade or you're going to have to hope Jackson Chorio is ready to go from the start. Uh, improvement from guys like Weimer eventually. Freelix is going to be a contact guy. Hopefully uh, Mitchell comes back and uh, flashes some power. So that's probably a problem that's not going away. Um, Rowdy uh, not being 2022 Rowdy and Winker spotty being essentially done probably were two of the leading factors in what made this team not have very much power when you got down to it. And those two guys being the uh, the final one for one who's making the roster and who not making the roster is just like a bleak indictment of the power potential of this roster in general. And so that kind of visual is very stark when you look at it at the end of the day. And as we said in the last podcast, again, a failure of the planning. Tyler Black looked like he was ready for the moment and he should have been getting the late season at bats in the regular season to see, yeah, is that the guy we want who could solve some of these problems for the postseason? Really could have been. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I was asking for last episode. And, and as we saw, um, you know, some of the rookies maybe not ready for the postseason moment, Bryce Terang and Joey Weimer, and even Sal to a degree, although Sal is the one I feel the, the most sure about is what I know they're going to be as a major league player, but you get that first taste of postseason action and, you know, Bryce uh, swinging through fastballs down the middle and it, it looks tough and we're going to have to rely on them to, to figure out what they are as major leaguers. And then, like you said, though, Tyler Black would have at, added an added element, maybe not the, the pop that we're looking for. Cause like that, that's just something, I don't know where we find that. That's tough. That might be Chorio. And uh uh because other than that, Willie Adamas, William Contreras to a degree. Uh Santana had a fine series, but didn't have the the home run hitting series that I was expe- uh, expecting out of him. And I, I say expect it's two games. It's like, two it's, games. It's three tough. He yeah. he played well. He's also thirty seven years old. So like <laughs> in terms of what the Brewers look like next year. Yeah, I don't I, I, I don't expect him to factor in. I don't no. I we're not gonna talk about this now, but I like I don't know what this team looks like around the edges next year. I think we know what the core is gonna be. We know when starting pitchers it's gonna be traded. We hope the rest of them come back healthy. And at the end of the day, we don't know. I need to get through game two uh quickly before we get out of here in the next twenty minutes or so, but Another game where you're staked to a lead. South Freelix sack fly scores Yelich in the, the first. Willie Domas singles to score Santana, makes it 2 nothing. Uh, Freddie Peralta, great the start of this game. Um, just really looked locked in and like he was going to kind of carry the, the load in this game and get you to the middle innings. Um, Alec Thomas, solo homer in right field or to right field, makes it 2 1. That, that was the one that was the uh, standout performer I predicted to you, Adam, uh, in game one and of guys that had bad regular seasons and he saved it for game two. Uh, in the sixth, uh, Cattell Marte's single scored uh, Gerardo Perdomo and Corbin Carroll to make it 3 2. They take the lead. Corbin Carroll had reached on um, kind of a broken bat double in front of Carlos Santana, another one of those moments where you're just like, oh, our luck is absolute dog shit in this series. Um, 
I think it could have been a an out or a double play in a lot of instances. And instead, there are two runners on, and Marte answers the bell and gives the Diamondbacks a lead. Uh, Tommy Pham scores on an Admiral Uribe wild pitch, makes it 4-2, and then Lourdes Coriel Jr. singles to make it 5-2. And that was pretty much that. The Brewers would get runners on in a lot of different innings, and it didn't matter. They would get good relief after that, and they were unable to capitalize inning in a two-thirds from Hobie Milner of scoreless Elvis Piguero. Trevor McGill came in and um, struck out the side in the inning that he pitched. Someone mentioned it, like, just what a reclamation project McGill has had. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys in the bullpen are going to be back next year in spring training with a shot to make the team again unless there's injuries or um, you know, poor performance in the beginning of the season. Bullpens are volatile, so that's why I say that. So that's one of the bright spots in the series was how good the bullpen was. Um, but ultimately, uh, three for nine runners in scoring position, all that work done early in the game, unable to get runs in. Um, but after the tone was set in game one and Woodruff's injury, like, uh, I don't know. This is something that uh, you should come to expect when the margins are so thin in a three-game series. And I don't know how you answer any of the questions without just your ace needed to be better. And uh, you needed to have a ball, leave the ballpark, and it didn't because your team's not built to do that. Uh, on the Catal Marte hit, I Santana spoke post-game about that kind of taking a bit of a weird hop or whatever. Honestly, I don't care. You've got to... You've got to make that play. You, you mean the Corbin Carroll one, or was that not Marte? Marte drove the runs, and Carroll's was the the double that put the runners on. But the, the, th- was it not Marte's that skipped up past Santana to drive the runners in? Oh, so okay, so yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Keep I going, think it sorry. was Marte. If if it wasn't, then you're right, and it's Carroll. Apologies to all listeners. People will probably remember the hit regardless of who it was and um, but one that was i mean it was hit relatively hard down the first baseline and it doesn't miss his glove by much it really was a play that i just feel like he should have made um council also kind of noted that as the turning point in game two of yeah that's it's kind of one we've got to have i do i think it was Marte's to score the runners Oh yeah, he scored the runners. Carroll put the runners on. Um, and it was another play that they probably uh should should have got out of the inning. Uh, Marte's hit was up the middle though. Oh okay, well maybe it was. And Carol. and and free and free look threw it home. Um. Oh, I will. Well, that was that was its own issue too. The floaty high throw. That that's all true. So look, there's there's multiple things like that where even when it's gone wrong for you, um, the Brewers could have limited some of the damage at least, and they didn't. I I do want to circle back to the bullpen, like you were talking about there, because I just do think a lot of those guys deserve immense credit. Elvis Bagaro just showed out in both games, like given he had had some struggles and he he came good again towards the back end of the regular season the injury was also a question. Like, I think we, we had some concerns over how he'd look um, two outs in game one full inning yesterday. looked great. Uh, shout out to you. Well, for giving one and two thirds scoreless. Like that's just kind of big boy. This is the playoffs. 
you've got to go that little bit extra. And that's a guy who really has been kind of lost again until he steadied the ship with his final two outings before the postseason. Hobie Milner has been absolutely nails for the Brewers all season, and he continued that. I, I really, I don't think, maybe it's because Hobie is not like the, he's possibly the least glamorous of the relievers on the Brewers roster. Nearly everyone throws gas, and then you've got Hobie with his his sidearm action. Um, you can't say enough good things about him. Uh, you mentioned it with McGill, just how the Brewers have worked with a lot of these kind of reclamation projects, but Hobie Milner, what a player he has been for the Brewers for two seasons now, but this season was really spectacular. And I, I think there's a lot of positives to be taken from Abney Rebe. Um, Particularly, I just wouldn't have put him in that spot in game one. I thought it was going to go wrong then. It didn't. And I give him so, so much credit for that. To essentially put him back in that same spot the next day, I thought was bold. I don't know. I just, I mean, we've kind of tried in recent weeks to map out who goes where, where are their best spots. Um, Abner is a guy that I just wouldn't think that inheriting runners is good news or just kind of coming into an inning where there's just really any semblance of trouble already brewing. Craig seems to differ on that. I think Craig thought he was brewing for battle, maybe. 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 I think uh, the Brewers went the way of, you know, that slogan. It's, It's probably for the best that we don't have, like, multiple series worth of pretending that that slogan is something that gets people excited or is something to be proud of. Um, uh, and yeah, Trevor, Trevor McGill, just again, give him his credit. Bryce Wilson only had to get one out, but I mean, a nice kind of cap on a great season for Bryce Wilson that he's he gets into taste playoff baseball. And yeah, I'm with you, like, bring them all back next year. Um, not, not the problem, not the problem, not what cost the Brewers here or really has cost them at any point this season, that kind of group of players. You mentioned the uh, Corbin Carroll uh, hit by Santana that should have been made. There are other sliding doors moments in this game, much like the uh, uh, the Kevin Durant back foot slider to Bryce uh, Terang that nearly hit his foot. Uh, uh, couldn't help thinking about that. But there was... When was it? Um, there's the play in the bottom of the third with the Brewers still holding a lead where Santana and, and uh, Canna had singled after uh, Contreras grounded out in the inning. And then Sal Freelick hits the ground ball up the middle that like knocks Gallon's glove off and he still recovers yeah. and makes play, turns double play. That was a moment where you're like, damn it. Like, <laughs> of course that would happen. And then in the eighth, um, down 5-2, Yelich bunt single. Contreras uh, single Santana strikes out but then Canna uh, after going down 0-2 works a good at bat and singles uh, to right uh, they bring in the lefty Sal Frank uh, to pitch to Sal Freelick Weimer had already pinch run for Canna so that removes that pinch hit opportunity that you had mentioned and mm-hmm. then uh, Sal, Sal Freelick uh, grounds it back to the pitcher uh, they get the out at home, no run score, and then Willie Adamas smokes one up the middle that hits the mound, kind of killing the, uh, I guess, trajectory of the ball, and they get out of the inning, no run scored. Was it three times in the series that the Brewers had the base loaded? Uh, that sounds right. Like, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> I... <laughs> that was that was our joke in the regular season. It was like, never load the bases. Like, don't do it. <laughs> 
Uh, I did like so Brewers three for eleven runners in scoring position in game one. Um, we're noting against the Diamondbacks one for ten. So <laughs> let's not let's not cry too much about that. Um, and in game two, three for nine runners in scoring position on that occasion. The Diamondbacks three for five. Yeah, D backs at homers. That's kind of that's it. That's kind of yeah. where it came down. Yeah, I mean the Brewers' offense functions better like in a functional sense than the Diamondbacks but uh yeah a couple of homers never hurt anyone and that that's part of the difference yeah the Brewers and uh the Rays I think are the two teams that come out of this wildcard series just feeling like absolute shit uh the, the Rays won 99 games in the regular season and then they just he- are headed home or they, or they were staying at home in the trop with barely anyone there. It looked like a regular season game on a Wednesday in June, but that's either here nor there. New ballpark, great. It's going to solve everything. It's the same city. But that's that's part of what I was alluding to at the start because we've got to assume the Corbin Burns trade is coming. So mm-hmm. the Brewers have... I don't want to say they've wasted this essentially, you know, generational group of starting pitchers. Um because they have made the playoffs although i i think in time the value of that is going to go down in people's mind i think the brewery's got to make the playoffs from a place of the franchise has starved to success for so long i i think it really gets old losing at the first opportunity in you know pretty grim fashion and I, this might be that point it feels like a real tipping point Major League Baseball's diluted what this means anyway and that kind of sucks but that's something we don't have to talk about right now no, that's a, it is a conversation I'd like to have another time because I just think it's broken. I just, like, if you're expanding the playoffs, I don't think this series can be best of three. I, it's, it just it feels insane. I, I, yeah. what, have, what have we spent all our time, Andrew? Us as podcasters, everyone listening as Brewers fans, watching 162 games of this team um, for them to win a division. Albeit, it's their fault. They blew it. They lost it in two games. But I don't think the format should lead to that. Um, there should just be even a tiny, tiny bit more. Regardless, I think Corbin moving on. I think the Brewers are going to naturally not have the wealth of pitching that they have had. And I think you've got to think about how you're going to map out the future of your team. Um, because the answer is not on this budget. I don't think you can just put the emphasis on pitching either. Like, I, I really think that's that's important here because if you don't have a whole lot to spend, I think spending some of it on someone who's going to really offer that extra bit of punch to your offense just kind of might be necessary. I don't know. I, I know it's it's really it's impossible kind of push and pull between which side are you going to lean. And it's just unfortunate that it doesn't feel like we can get the Brewers to be a team where it's like you know what, offense is great, defense is great, but I do think what they have been kind of seen such a luxury and seen such a special time for Brewers fans to have the collection of starting pitchers they've had in recent years. That era is coming to an end. It's not apparent that, you know, they're just going to be able to fix that and step up and that 
Brewers fans are going to be watching kind of uh, certainly a one, two, three punch like we would have imagined and hoped that we might have got in this series. And with that, maybe you got to be a bit more like the Diamondbacks, you know, where, yeah, you've got an ace, what? you've got a really good pitcher, and then you might just have to figure some stuff out. But overall, your roster has some better balance so that your offense can help you out a bit more at times. I don't know. This next wave of prospects coming up. I mean, if Chorio's your Carroll, that is the starting point. Yeah. Um, and maybe that. So that's one, and we'll talk about this for six months <laughs> here soon. I don't know how long of a break we'll take. I'm just, I'm assuming we'll take some kind of break. You got, I got to loan you back to Jordan at one. I don't six, think it will uh, be that long, honestly. I really because I think the Brewers are gonna not let us have too long of a break. There is, there's just news waiting to happen in this situation. If it's because there's news, then I welcome it. That's fine. Like, just if you have a reason for us to talk, great. And we'll talk about it and react at the time. Um. Like I said, not really much meaningful out there to buy on the free agent market. So it's Torio and it's maybe dipping into prospect capital again and seeing what trader Matt's got for us like he had for us with the Contreras trade. He might need to get creative on the trade market if he's going to enhance his team. Obviously, the first domino to fall is probably that Burns trade. We'll wait to see what's happening with Woodruff's injury. But for now, 0-2 and barbecue, and that's, that's the end of the 2023 season. And if I had to sum it up in... Uh, a short sentence. It's uh, Brewers elite starter didn't step up. Diamondbacks dudes were dudes. Uh, like they stepped up in the moment. Carol Marte, Christian Walker, um, with the big hits, and baseball's a cruel bitch. Those are the three things that I can say that sum up that series. O two and barbecue is very fitting given the Brewers hat you are wearing. Um. And that is for, you know, everyone but me who can see the the baseball grill city edition hat. Um, I'm on like two hours of sleep. I'm probably going to go right back to sleep after this before my train ride home. I feel like absolute shit. (laughs) You're not alone. You're not alone. Um, We'll let you go and do that. (laughs) Thanks to all of you, not just for listening to this episode, but for listening along with us all season. Um, it's been a, a big year for us. We've definitely, I feel, got a lot better at this in our second season. We've seen more people tune in from episode to episode. This year's Brewers team, as bizarre as this now sounds, have made this so much more fun than last year's did. A really, really great regular season. Like, a lot of fun. And it just sucks that the lasting memories of it are going to have finished like this. We talk about Cheerio, talk about Tyler Black... Jefferson Caro, like the horses are in the back. They're coming, Andrew. Um, I saw a slow motion Brock Wilkin home run in Arizona <laughs> Fall League, I think it was, or it might have been just a co- construct game. I don't know what's going on there. That really gave me life. <laughs> Listen, I love to hear it. I do think the Brewers are going to look very different. They're going to have to be a different type of baseball team, but they've got some really exciting talent that's hopefully going to make it even better than it has been and get this team over the hump because. I think there are guys who've been there quite a while who deserve it. Maybe in our next pod, we'll we'll break down the the breakdown, the post-mortem. We'll talk Christian Yelich's quotes, which have certainly got people fired up and all that kind of stuff. I think that's better with clearer heads after the dust has settled a little bit, though. Um, but yeah, thanks to all of you for all your support, for listening, for talking with us in the Discord all season long. We really appreciate it. 
Andrew, it's been a pleasure to do this show season. Only occasionally have you been incredibly cranky. And I appreciate that. It's a lot of fun to talk baseball with you and to watch Brewers baseball throughout the year. I don't know when we're going to be back. I'm going to say we'll probably we'll probably do one later this week, early next week. One more kind of. We'll see how the dust starts to settle. Uh, maybe we'll take a week off then. Maybe we won't. I think just for the time being, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast because news is going to probably dictate how the next few weeks of the pod looks. It may not be quite as kind of, oh, the pod posts on a Monday or that kind of thing. So make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We will, over the course of the offseason, really go close to player by player and breaking down what the Brewers were this year, where it went right, where it went wrong, what they should look to do next year. We'll look ahead to free agency. We'll look at potential trades. All of that talk is to come. So the season may be over, but we will still be here in the months ahead. So keep checking in, keep tuning in, and hopefully we're at the start of something really great for the Brewers, rather than the end of something that promised to be great, but never quite got there. Just check out the rest of the You should also check out the rest of the GSPN podcasts. Eurostep Podcast Network. The Milwaukee Books. They've done some great stuff. They've got a, a kind of different attitude to the Brewers in some regards. Maybe again, it's a podcast for the offseason now. Um, but Damian Lillard, Giannis, Chris, Brooke, season's almost back. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast to the Eurostep Podcast Network main feed for all things Milwaukee Books. Green Bay Packers, they're still in season. Talk to the Tundra is the place to spell things Packers and GSPN. New Mac and Jordan have you covered. And for even more from Andrew and I, we talk movies, pop culture, and other things every week on Make Time for This. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>